Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Thank you. Um, well, you guys look good this morning. It's, uh, it's funny, I haven't been to the 8.30 service in, in a while, so it's nice to be back. Um, we're very back-heavy tonight. Everybody's kind of hanging out back there. Uh, it's kind of nice, so it's good to see everybody, all right? Very cool. Um, so since it's been a while since I've been here, um, during a first service, just want to make sure everybody knows who I am. My name is Doug. I'm the youth pastor here at Seacoast. Uh, my wife's name is Christy. I've been married for 10 years. No, sorry, not 10, eight years. Um, and we have two beautiful little boys, um, Dougie the Third and Aiden Marvel, Okay. So uh, it is my pleasure to uh, talk to you a little bit about Jesus this morning. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. Heavenly Father, we just uh, lift our hearts up to you. Uh, We just ask for you to envelop this time, um, that as we make a big deal about Jesus, um, that you minister to us this morning, um, that we can hear from you, um, and maybe find some peace um, in some areas where, where we really need it. So we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, as I said, I have two little boys. Uh, named Dougie the Third, uh, who's two years old, and Aiden Marvel, who just turned one about three days ago. Okay, and uh, we celebrated his first birthday. It was great. We had a good time. Now, my oldest son, um, he kind of has this thing that he does around eleven o'clock at night. Okay, so my wife and I, we put the kids to bed. We sit down, start watching TV. You know, just burning through Netflix as usual. And uh, about eleven o'clock. We hear this uh, tiny little voice that's in distress uh, from my son's room. Daddy, daddy, almost without fail, 11 o'clock at night. See, Dougie has a little bit of a problem with shadows right now, okay? So no matter how many night lights you put in his room, there will always be a shadow in his room. So if he wakes up for whatever reason and he sees a shadow, he freaks out, and then he calls dad, and then I go in there. And uh, I'll go in there and kind of calm him down, show him that the shadows aren't, you know, anything to be afraid of, and then he'll go back to sleep. Now, imagine for a moment that we wake up in the morning, just any random morning, and I see my son with, like, bags under his eyes, and he's, like, leaning over the coffee pot, just, like, totally, like, exhausted, just waiting for that sweet nectar. And I'm like, son, did you get enough sleep last night? And he says, no, daddy. I was up all night because of the shadows. I just didn't want to bother you. How weird would that be? I would be crushed. I would be crushed if I knew my son was sitting in his room afraid, in distress, and didn't come and talk to me about it. reason why is because when he pours out his complaint to me, when he comes to me and says, Dad, I got this going on, he knows that I care about him and that I'm capable to do something about it. When he pours out his heart to dad, when he says, dad, I've got this going on, it says that he knows that I care and that I'm capable. Now, I tell you that this story this morning because we find ourselves in the third installment of our series, The Perfect Response to the Perfect Gift. 
And of course, as we've looked at it, the response is worship. And so we've kind of gone through these three different uh, responses in the way that we worship. Our jumping off point for this scripture, I mean for this series, is Matthew 2, verses 1 through 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The perfect response to the perfect gift is worship. And week one was we worship by lifting our hands. And we surrender. We say, you are king and I am not. We say, Jesus, you are awesome. We lift our hands in worship. Second week was we worship by bringing our gifts, our literal money. One of the things that's the most important things in our lives, we say, is still second to you, King Jesus. And that's part of the way that we worship. And so week three is going to be we worship by pouring out our hearts. Part of how we worship the Lord is that we pour out our hearts. Where is it? Right there. See that fancy picture with a little heart being poured out? Get that picture in your mind. That's what we're talking about this morning, all right? So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm feeling like I want to pray one more time. Um, Just, here we go. Ready? Here we go. Jesus, we love you, and we want to make a big deal about you. Be here, be in this moment, be a part of what we're doing. We love you, we love you, we love you, and we want to celebrate you this morning and your birth. We want to worship you, the perfect gift. Amen. All right, so we are in Psalm 142, verse 2 and verse 5. Psalm, 40, Psalm 142, verse 2 and verse 5. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. I cry to you. Lord, I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So if you're here this morning and you are like hashtag blessed, okay, life is good for you, all right? Um, Maybe you're just jacked up for Jesus because his blessings are raining down upon you this season. That's great. You have an opportunity this morning to pour out your appreciation to him, and that is an act of worship to God. If you're here and you are hashtag bored, okay, like just kind of existing, life is blah, okay, walking dead's on a break, um, we're in the winter season right now, you've probably finished everything else that there is to watch on Netflix, and now you find yourself in a show hole that there's nothing left, and you're just like, God, is there more to life than this? Is there more to life than just this? Maybe you find yourself battered that life is tough right now. You're in a painful time. Someone you loved isn't here this Christmas. Um, Maybe you've experienced some loss or challenge. You have an opportunity to pour your heart out to God. This is your time this morning. Tell him how you feel. And then maybe you're hashtag busted, all right? I don't know how this happened, but you are financially not okay. And you have no idea how you're going to be able to make Christmas work for all the little faces that want Christmas to work, okay? Uh, Maybe you've got some money issues, but you know what? We pour out our heart to God. Tell him our complaint. Tell him what's going on that financially, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. We let him hear it because he cares for the brokenhearted and he draws near to those who are hurting. Because God has invited us into a very special relationship. To talk honestly with our creator is to acknowledge that he's God, and right now, 
I am definitely not. See, he's God. He loves us. And when we're hurting, he wants us to cry out. He wants us to pour out our hearts to him. Because he's not a distant God, but rather God is fully aware of our condition and wants to be on our side of it. And so we come to him in lament because we acknowledge that he's God, not the opposite. So we pour out our hearts. We call on him. So here's a question. What can we do when we find ourselves in this painful place? And we got to look at the psalmist. How did the psalmist pour out his heart to get through tough times? Well, if you're tracking along with me, your first feeling is going to be this. Remember God's faithfulness in the past. We remember God's faithfulness in the past. Psalm 42. So this is a time when uh, David is in a very low point in his kingly career. All right? His own son, whom he loved very dearly, is trying to overthrow him, kick him out, kill him, take him out so he can become king. Um, life is not okay for David right now. And it says that uh, his soul thirsts for God, that his tears have been his food day and night, while people relentlessly say to him, where's your God now? Why won't he do something? And David says in 42.4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, as I ache, as I hurt, as I lament my condition. Now, what I want you guys to get here is that it doesn't say, you know, I don't ache. I put my ache away. And then I feel better. doesn't say that, you know, we just, the power of positive thinking as a Christian will get us through. It says, as I ache, I pour out and remember. That part of this Christian walk thing is that uh, we don't pretend like everything's okay, but rather in the midst of our not okayness, we talk to God and then he deals with us. That's how this Christian thing works, that God wants us to be real. Christianity isn't the power of positive thinking. It's the presence of God's power. Everybody got that? Christianity is not the power of positive thinking, but it is the very presence of God's power. That's what changes our lives. And so... Uh, He says, I remember, I recall how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. I like that word, festive throng. Uh, As you pour out your heart, remember God's faithfulness in the past. See, there have been times, there have been times uh, in my life where I've had to do this. There have been moments where, where I, was, I was pretty upset. I was pretty depressed, frustrated. I didn't know what was going on, and I needed to remember God's faithfulness in the past. See, I'm a husband, I'm a parent, and I'm a pastor. All three of those things have had great moments of very high highs. But likewise, they've had some pretty low lows, As a married couple, you can go from being blissfully in the throes of love to throwing death stares at each other across the dinner table, okay? Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about, no? Am I the only one? All right, that's fine, that's fine, all right. Um, As a father, you can have great moments of joy when your son walks for the first time. My son Aiden took 15 steps on the day of his birthday. 
was very exciting, all right? But at the same time, being a father can be very stressful when your son hides your keys in the toilet and you have to come to church to preach and you can't get out of the driveway, okay? That can be stressful. As a pastor, you can experience the thrill of leading someone to Jesus and then experience the thrill of reading a 17-page record of how many times you said, um, in your last sermon, okay? That one may have been real. I'm, I'm not going to say if that was real, but nah, it was real. So anyway, I tell you those things because I really, I want to make light of how truly dark things can really be for us. Um, as a pastor, people tell you things that are devastating just to hear, let alone be the one to experience. Uh, as a a spouse, you can go through immense heartache from the brokenness that we bring to the marriage with one another. That being married to someone, being uh, solely connected to them can be very painful. Uh, as a parent, you can feel hopeless when you have a, a wayward child who's very far from God. And then you have those dark nights of the soul when we literally see our tears collecting on the carpet in front of us because we're just begging God to do something. We've been in those moments, but how we get through them is that we have to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness in the past. David did this, did this to remind himself of this great truth. Ready for this? The reason why we remind ourselves of God's faithfulness is because the story is not over yet. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the trial, as you pour your heart out to God, you must remember the story is not over yet. Our circumstances don't get the last say. Our sin does not get the last say. Jesus gets the last say. And so no matter how hard and how difficult and how scary it may be, you look to the past, you look to how God was faithful, and you say, yeah, that's what God does. That's what God does. So right now, in your notes, we're going to do a little exercise, okay? So if you have your little notes with you, all right, everybody got something right on, hopefully? Okay. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, find a little spot in the margin or wherever, and I want you to write a one or two words that remind you of a time when God was faithful, okay? Like something that you like read those two words and go, yeah, that was when God came through on a car payment I needed or whatever. Just write down something that will remind you of a time when God was faithful, Okay, so write that on one side in the margin somewhere. Okay, everybody got it? Sort of? All right. Kind of quiet in here. Maybe you're still writing. All right, so uh, on the other side of that, I want you to write maybe one or two words about what you are crying out about. Like if you just got something you're working through right now and you're like, Jesus, I need you to come through, I want you to write that down on the other side. Okay, so you write down uh, the first, God was faithful in this. This is what I need God to be faithful in. I want you to write those two things down. Now, after you write them down, I want you to look at it one more time. And I want you to say, God is faithful. All right, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. God is faithful. Your story is not over yet. So as you look at that situation, as you look at what you're working through, I want you to look to the other side and say, yeah, but my God's faithful. Yeah, this is tough right now, but my God is faithful. 
So an example of, of somebody who had to work through great pain and suffering was the prophet Jeremiah. He was a man uh, who suffered a lot, as in like most of his life, it was just filled with suffering. It was just a bad day all the time for poor Jeremiah. He had a life full of rejection. And so in Lamentations 3, he spends 20 verses just lamenting, just 20 verses just pouring it out. God, this is awful. I hate my life. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even want to, this is just awful. I don't, I don't want to live. I mean, he's just pouring it out, his sufferings, his pain, and he cries out to God. And, and some of you, that's what you need to do this morning. You need to just say, God, I'm a financial wreck. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where my next meal is going to come from. I don't know where my next rent check's going to come from. Uh, your kids are out of control, and you're like, God, I just need my kids to not be crazy for like five minutes, please. But we're honest. We be honest about it. Because here's what happens. Lamentations 3, 21. Okay, so we just spent 20 verses of pouring out his heart. And then in 21, he says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, God. We remember how he's been faithful in the past, how he healed a relationship, how he was with us in a tough time, how he saved us. And how maybe that when we went over to the prayer team and we got some prayer and, and, and God actually came through, we remember those things in the tough times. I know for me, uh, a few years ago, it was probably my second year of being a Christian, okay? And new kid had moved to school, and he was from, like, the deep parts of Boston, very scary people come from the deep parts of Boston. And so they came out, he came out, moved in, and, uh, and he was a bully. And believe it or not, I wasn't always this strapping man you see before you. I was a skinny little kid in high school. And for the first two months of him being there, he decided that I was going to be the target of his dominance in my school. Now, I'm not a fighter. I was freaking out. I'm talking like I had anxiety and stress to the point where I didn't want to go to school. I was like, what am I going to do? I I can't do this. And then one night, I just broke. I literally sat in my room crying out to God. I'm like, God, if you are real, I need something right now. I cannot handle this. I don't know what I'm going to do. My life is a mess. I'm stressed out. And the next day, I'm sitting in the class before the class that I have with this kid. So I'm like, second period. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do? I'm like stressed out. And this upperclassman, um, who was a senior, looked at me, and he was like, hey, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, well, I got nothing to lose. And I said, well, there's this kid who's been picking on me. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm totally, I'm lost. And he says, I'll take care of it. What? <laughs> they said, yeah, I'll take care of it. By the next period, Seven upperclassmen called this young man out of his classroom. No one got hurt and just basically stood in a circle around him and said, you're not going to touch this kid anymore. If you have a problem, you can take it up with us. And that was the end of it. God is faithful. I mean, no one got hurt, but I'll tell you this right now. God moved on the heart of other individuals to come to my aid and bring about rescue. That's a big deal. That's a God who is faithful I remember I prayed for a year straight for a friend of mine to come to know the Lord. 
I spent every weekend with him, coffee, dinner, come over to my house, playing games. I wanted him to know the saving love of Jesus. And then he was moving away to Ohio. And the day before he moved, I baptized him in that ocean right there. God is faithful. God is faithful. And we remember these things in the tough times because the story's not over. Had I been in the midst of these moments and said, God, where are you? Where are you? And didn't know it was coming at the end. That's why we remember the old things. That's why we remember what he has done. See, luckily, God gave me a wife who is a lot smarter than me. Okay? And I'm thankful for that because I have a wife who can basically call me out when I'm trying to get out of situations where Jesus wants me to build good character. I don't know if you guys know this, but occasionally I have moments where I can be kind of charming. And so I can get out of a lot of stuff, all right? Especially when I was young. When God was kind of calling me into some accountability, I could kind of find a way to like weasel my way out of it. But God gave me a wife who's way smarter. And so she's like, Doug, no, we're not doing that. No, you need to go fix that relationship. You need to go do these things. And she helps me become a better person. I am thankful that God brought me my wife. I remember uh, my wife and I prayed for five years to have children. And now, of course, I stand here before you, proud parent of two beautiful boys. I prayed to God that please just let me preach, okay? I begged God, I just want an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. And here I stand in front of you good-looking people telling you about Jesus. That's how God is faithful. That's what God does. I had an abusive childhood situation, and I said, God, I need you to come through, and he literally pulled me out of that situation and built me a new family, a new family that loved God and taught me how to love him. That's what God does. When I was lost in my own selfishness, my own crazy, destructive, selfish ambitions, Jesus came to get me, and he saved me, and he brought me into the family. God's faithful, and we remember those things in the midst of our crying out. So what do we do next? We remember that God is faithful. Second fill-in, we trust God with our future. We trust God, God's power for our future. Trust in God's power for your future. So, let's take a look at Psalm 102, verse 7. This is a pretty honest pouring out of your heart. David says, I lie awake. I have become like a bird on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. And then there are three words that change everything. Okay? Maybe you're here this morning, and these are the three words that you need to hear. Okay? Psalm 102, verse Uh, Psalm 102, verse 12, but you, Lord. Say it with me, but you, Lord. These three words can change everything, all right? So what I want you to do is when I point to you, I want you to say it, okay, ready? My life is falling apart. I'm being attacked spiritually, and I don't know what's going on in my life. I'm so alone right now. But you, Lord, are faithful. 
But you, Lord, are powerful. But you, Lord, care and have the capability to do something about it. Psalm 102.12 says, But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. That in these moments of great pain, as we push through all of these things, we're honest, we're saying, God, uh, I want to remember how you were faithful. I want to I be reminded of how good you are because I know you'll still be good. And as we do that, as we push through the pain, we will get to the point of praise. We push through the pain to get to the point of praise. That as we pour out our hearts to God, we say, you know what? You are still in charge, you are still king, and you still have good plans for me. But you, Lord. Say it one more time. But you, Lord. One of the greatest things you will ever say to yourself in the midst of great pain is, but you, Lord. That no matter what you're going through, but you, God, are faithful. I remember in the past how you came through. I remember that you are still on the throne. You are still king. You are still my creator. You are still ruling and reigning. You have a plan. It's a good plan. You have been faithful in the past. You're going to be good to me in the future, and I trust you. That's what we say. That's the lifeblood of our Christian faith is that we trust God for our future. So you will push through your pain to the point of praise. And I'm going to close out here. This series is called The Perfect Response to the Perfect Gift. One of the many reasons Jesus was the perfect gift was that now in him, we have been given full access to our God in heaven. Full access. And so whether we are blessed, battered, Bored, busted, we pour out our hearts to him. Like kids calling out to dad in the dark, those circumstances may be scary. We have a God in heaven who cares and is capable. And that's worth worshiping. That's worth worshiping. So as we enter into a time of worship this morning, pour out your heart to him. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. Our God is faithful and he cares and he's capable. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.